0: Good morning, comrades, and yeah, welcome to uh, Workers' Power here on Four Triple Z. And uh, we just, uh, oh, we played uh, Sleaford Mobs.
1: Very Mo- nice.
0: Yes, uh, shortcomings. And uh, well, thank you to Art uh, Cart another fabulous show, and uh, also to uh, the Z Lines crew, which is they're good and good, getting good. I think what they've only been back three weeks.
1: Very, very professional. I know,
0: and um. The, the pronunciations of some of those names. That put like, us to
1: shame. I know, right? <laughs> we are so, terrible at that. So, if you want to hear the
0: real news, you tune in at uh, on the hour uh, weekdays. So that's at 9, 10, and uh, 11. Do they no, do an 8?
1: I, I think they're on a 9. Yeah,
0: all right. So, 8, 9, 10, 11. And then, of course, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 12 o'clock, Brisbane Lines. Uh, great stuff to our, our news team. It's our all bri- here
1: on 4ZZZ. Yes,
0: keeping us all informed. Now, today on our show, talk about our, how good they are. Well,
1: We're pretty good team. We're pretty Come good
0: <laughs> Well, we are pretty good because when it rains, it pours. We've got not one but two guests on today's show. Uh, we've got uh, Catherine Wilkes, who's a great advocate. She's been working very, very hard over the years uh, on against the uh, cashless welfare card. Um, so we we want to keep that in the limelight as, as much as we can so um, and and there's the, the, there's also the the drop- in uh, uh, job seekers happening this month and uh, yes. uh, yeah uh, um, Catherine advocates of course uh, you know a little bit but uh, her main focus is uh, is the card so uh it'd be interesting to uh, talk with her and also we've got uh, Tom Brown from the uh, rail tram and bus union coming on and uh, letting us know our, um, uh, 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 how casuals uh, are not getting looked after, and which is going to be I think uh, I was talking to Tom in the lead up that uh, casuals it, it, especially here on Workers Power for Workers News, uh, news in the, in the way that the casuals are treated over the next uh, um, uh, year or so is going to be big, you know, so ACTU are on to it uh, We're onto it, you know. Everyone's onto it because of COVID. It's highlighted that, uh, you know, uh, it's the workers that, that that bear the brunt of the pandemic and you know, not the businesses. So, uh, yeah, and, of course, stick around. That's a pretty long intro I've done here today. <laughs> uh, but don't forget to stick around for the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. And we've got one who tried to... Uh, they You know how they have uh, uh, distanced themselves between the project with contractors and the subcontractors? Well, I had to do a bit of research, but I found out the Scallywag at the top. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give them a serve at the end of the show. Um, and uh, But... Uh, to, to start off, uh, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders, past, present and emerging. We also encourage all, acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognitions, reparations and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. And my slip in there was we encourage First Nations comrades to listen in. Of course we do.
1: Of course we do. (laughs) Of
0: course we do. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to start out with uh, some uh, First Nations workers' action um what what, what, we've got a few stories there what's the one that's really getting getting your attention well
1: i've pulled this one up first um it's regarding the juvenile detention center in wa so the early stages of a class action are underway with lawyers and community advocates appealing to former detainees of Banksia Hill Juvenile Detention Centre, BHJC, south of Perth to come forward and share their experiences. The class action, according to its registration form, will focus on the alleged mistreatment of young people detained at Banksia Hill, with the hopes it will lead to institutional change and financial compensation. There really is strength in numbers, the site reads. The more X B H J C detainees we register, the greater the pressure on the WA government to be held to account. Speaking to NITV News, lawyer Stuart Levitt said Banksia Hill had an app- appalling history. Mr Levitt cited an Amnesty International report from 2018 which alleged the centre breached international standards including allegations of prolonged solitary confinement. The allegations were rejected at the time by the state's corrections watchdog. The state has certain responsibilities as the parents of these children who are often wards of the state or will become wards of the state by virtue of their being consigned to such facilities, Mr Levitt said. And especially in Australia, where the age of criminal responsibility has been treated as 10 years old. Shame. The West Australian Inspector of Custodial Services rejected the majority of Amnesty's 2018 report and said claims about prolonged solitary confinement would not be substantiated. A 2017 inspection of the centre revealed restraints, flash bombs and shotgun laser sights were being used to control detainees and self-harm was increasing while another report that same year found a substandard delivery of education. The Department of Justice said the situation had improved. 99.1% of young people in detention of compulsory school age in WA attended an education course in 2019-2020, a statement from the department reads. The centre provides full-time education, recreation, psychological and psychi- psychiatric services, cultural support through the Aboriginal Welfare Officers, and organised programs. Community advocate Marianne McKay, who is a Yorongilbiljar, sorry, from the Wadjuk Noongar Nation, told NITV News this was not the reality for the young people she knew who had been inside. She said a class action was the best way to shed light on the allegations publicly. A lot of the kids will suffer and go through things without complaining because they feel like their voices aren't heard, she said. They just want to do their time and get out of there and get back to some kind of normality with their families outside those centres. You know, because they're treated like little criminals. The more young ones that speak up, the more we can, more can be done in a class action because it shows the extent of what is actually going on. Yeah, so this story, I think it's. Good. there's finally something's
0: yeah, <laughs> kind well, of yeah. <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the, the, there's a couple of things to that. Collective action. I think yes. they're right. There really is strength in numbers. So the more that are involved, the uh, the better. And the other one, the 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 point, um, and this is probably the bigger issue um, in in around the system and and, and the way is this the, this part of the story. The state has certain responsibilities. As the parent of these children who are often wards of the state. Yeah. So is that they're saying that the the parents were wards of the state of the the children? I think that's what that state or is it the... I was a
1: bit confused by that myself. I think they're like kind of... Saying that as wards of the state then the government are their parents and they're failing. Oh right, I see. In
0: yeah, that role, yeah, I've read that. I've read that wrong. I'm glad I, I checked for
2: clarification. I'm, I
1: might be wrong, but that's how did you read it, Jackson? Is that what you thought? <laughs> oh
2: yeah, like the saying that the state is in the role of the parent. their parents. Yeah, yes.
1: They're really
2: really doing a bad job then mm. yeah i mean they're putting them in solitary confinement which is literally torture
1: yeah <laughs> it's not now, children as young as 10 like ugh. Mm.
0: oh oh no yeah i was thinking about that and and, and i always think about our daughters who are about very similar age could you well, we couldn't see them getting in, into trouble, but because they got a bit of privilege. But uh, we definitely there, there's nothing imaginable that my daughter could do that would warrant, warrant that that yeah. warrant this. No, <laughs> not at Hell all. No, you know.
1: No. Well, it's well, something. Well, yeah, it's, this is really, really overdue. Well, well, the
0: twins are twelve now, so Billy, young Billy's twelve, and, and there is nothing that, that you know, like you could do, and we don't we don't use any any type of. Um, um, uh, a discipline, you know, um, that that type of thing, you know. Well, we know
1: it's it. That's the thing. Like the whole the whole prison system. This whole system is so ridiculous, as that we know that punishment as a form of changing behaviour doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really, really heavily studied.
0: And and I, I would argue that it actually makes things worse. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Really, well, really you know, does. people go to jail for a few years. They come back out. They have you know everything's changed. And a lot of the time, they just end up.
0: Going yeah, back you to jail. Put, if you
1: start this young, you're screwed. Yeah, you put marriage. our
0: kids. Yeah, you put our kids in, into the system for something that they say so they you know shoplift or you know did a couple of things wrong and they ended up in this system. They're only going to get worse. There's <laughs> nothing's going to improve improve it. They'd be you know? very
1: very lucky to yeah, pull themselves back out of that's it. That's
0: right. That's where they're going to 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 learn to commit more crimes and things yeah. like that. And most you know? of these
1: children come from homes where they've experienced great trauma, which yeah. is another thing we don't take into account in this country. A lot of these children, as we know, are Indigenous too. So, yeah, yeah we're just completely failing. And so there's,
0: yeah, yeah what, what I was getting at, um, and, and you've kind of touched it and you let let, let us segue, is there's, there's not the support for families... You know, there's there's a little bit of support for for, for you know for for my family, but uh, not that much really, eh? And if uh, if we were struggling a little bit, you know, we be um, the the system isn't there to help us.
1: No, and families that do get involved with like child services and whatnot, they're more afraid of just you know having their children taken away. They're not really offered the support they need to. To do better
0: That's right If uh, uh, Like I've got the attitude now Where if uh, All the way through When the kids Kids were were Especially young And uh, Was uh, If community services Ever came Whatever Shape or form They're they're called different From state to state If they ever knocked on my door I'd say Come on in Grab a seat I'm glad you're here To help me out But a lot of people don't have that kind of, wait, I don't even know if that attitude is right. I probably shouldn't be inviting community services into my home. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably do the <laughs> same
1: thing, but a lot of people wouldn't feel confident enough to do that. Like if it was me right. 10 years ago living in poverty with my daughter, I would not have been confident enough to yeah, do that. True. I would have been crapping myself. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah, privilege
0: does come, you know. Yeah, I yeah, think
1: privilege is a really big it. part yeah. of that because we know that our cupboards have food in it, you yeah, know, yeah. and that our, yeah, kids have clean clothes on and whatnot, but that's because we can afford to do that. And yeah.
0: is it all right if your kids are grubs? Yeah.
1: I think all kids are grubs, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, oh,
0: well, uh, yeah. So uh, we, we've got some strong views on that, and we've okay. expressed them quite well, I think. Uh, and
2: I also. <laughs> some, um, the, like, I think we can also look at like the pr- purpose that prisons actually serve, uh, which um, mainly is. Well, like with the private prisons, it's the main purpose of them is to just give money to the rich people who own them, because they pay the politicians, and the politicians get more people in jail, and then they get more money. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's there's a, a good whole point. Indu- yeah, yeah, there's a whole industry being created. Um, yeah, and then there are, uh, there's also the fact that um, it serves as propaganda for the state to say, hey, where if you don't. If you don't, uh, like, place all your faith in us, then all the um, criminals will come and get you. Look at all look at how full our prisons are and how much we've protected you from these dangerous children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: no, that's rife, especially, like, I lived up in North, North Queensland for a while, and that kind of propaganda and misinformation is just, yeah, there's a lot of it. <laughs>
2: And also, economically, there's the creation of like an underclass sort of like people who have a criminal background who have a hard time finding jobs and therefore are more willing to work for in like dangerous and low paid conditions, mm-hmm. which is um, provides a g- easy workforce for like farmers and stuff.
0: Yeah, a, a, a criminal record uh, can even just embarrass you. To, to not apply for certain jobs, you know, like, like, so say you've got a, you know, a minor, well, stealing, if you, if you get done for shoplifting, that can, it, 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 and you're over 18, that can nearly ruin your life, hmm. because there's so many jobs, like, you'll never work in retail, mm. you just can't, you, you they won't hire you in retail, because any type of stealing offence, you won't, they won't hire you in retail, boom. Come on, you know, not that the retail is, is a be all and end all, but uh, it is one of the big industries. Once you get get outside and hospitality, big hospitality would be the same. So, you, yeah, you you'd, you'd end up going to someone who's going to exploit you. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, I'll exploit you a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah,
0: well, a lot worse. Good, good correction there. I like that. Uh, so, um, I think
1: we can sum up by saying the system sucks. Revolution now.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think
2: the fourth and one of the biggest ones, though I don't know if this is a thing in Australia it's definitely a thing in the US, it also just creates like a labour force within the prisons.
0: Yeah, they don't do it so much here but uh, yeah, the old thing was they uh, used to make license plates, uh, the rego plates over in America. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do do that uh, over there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure if, if that actually happens here, uh, but uh, there are jobs that you do, like even uh, with the internal process say, doing the cleaning, the washing the clothes, the cooking and all that type of stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, all right, uh, well, we've got another story. I think we've got time for one more uh, First Nations story.
2: Uh, yeah, I've got one here from Gamilaroi Next Generation. Uh, this is this story is uh, by Pip Hip Hinman from Left Weekly. So, a rally called by Gamilaroi Next Generation and supported by Workers for Climate Action was organised on February 5th outside the Hunter Gas Pipeline Company's offices in the CBD in Sydney. Um, young activists spoke about the campaign to save the Pilliga Forest from Santos's fracking plans and condemned the company for currying favour with the local community by sponsoring a rugby game between the NSW Waratahs and the Queensland Reds. The gas pipeline is going to be essential for Santos to be able to transport steam gas out of the Narrabri to export options. Curragang Island in new- Newcastle is where the construction of a new gas hub has been given critical status. On the, next sa- on the same day in Narrabri, Gamilaroi Next Generation took access against Santos's sponsorship of the rugby season. Meanwhile, Stop Coal Seam Gas Sydney sent a letter of concern to NSW Rugby and NSW Waratah's CEO Paul Drawn that day, asking him to reconsider the decision to sign up Santos Limited as a platinum partner with the Waratahs for the next three seasons. The company simply wants to capitalize on the good name and healthy associations which the Waratahs and the Game of Rugby Union have in people's minds, spokesperson Bronwyn Vorst said. Partnering with Santos in this way is is a deeply divisive move. It is causing distress to local people because they love the sport. It reminds us of the duplicitous campaigns by cigarette companies in the 1970s and 1980s to associate their product with healthy sporting activities, a practice that was banned in 1992. There are partnerships which would better serve both rugby in NSW and the young players within the code for said, including companies which aim to preserve nature and offer a future for the young players free from the effects of pollution and climate change.
1: Oh, what sneaky buggers at Santos, what hey? Are trying to ingratiate themselves with the public. <laughs>
0: yeah, what are they, sport-washing themselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I glad you I, like that, no, eh? Hey? that's good, that's yeah. good. <laughs> sport-washing themselves. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, they'll oh, do it. Oh,
1: Australians, they love sport. Yeah. sport-wash.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right, I've got one here that I'm just going to add in. Uh, it's more of an event, and um, so... The land defenders are needed at Yaki Kandu, which is at uh, 28 Samara Crescent um, Veteran or so-called Gimpy Pyramids, which is a two-hour drive from Brisbane or three-hour train ride from Roma Street, which is tomorrow. So be there before 10 a.m. Wednesday tomorrow. And why? I like the way they've done this. To protect. Uh, a sacred sacred cabbie site including borrow rings standing stones and grinding stones so yeah uh, this has been posted by uh, uh i have shared by a friend of mine and uh, but uh the organizers seem to be cabby dreaming k-a-b-i dreaming um, if you want to get out there and, and help some First Nations uh, Standing up and fighting back uh, Just a little bit of a preview Land defenders have sent out a call in support of Our spiritual practice protecting country at Jackie Kandu uh, Yesterday a letter with false claims and threatening trespass charges Was received from Mark Assange Who is the project director Um, Kuroi Takara section D Why? Is Mark Bailey behind this? He's the, uh, uh, the Queensland Minister. Is it true that contractors want to fulfill their contractors and destroy the site so they can be paid? It is a crime to destroy Aboriginal cultural heritage It is also a crime to incite or commit an act of genocide So you can find out more about that in Cubby Dreaming just okay, out, out there, that comrades. one. That's something if you want to get out, and uh, I will mention it again later in um uh, uh, um
1: in events. In,
0: in events, but there's a movie night out at Deebing Creek this Saturday night.
1: Oh, so, they're showing In My Blood. It runs. Yeah, great movie. So, yeah,
0: so that's from three o'clock out at Deebing Creek. But we'll try and find time to mention that again um, in in the events. What we've got is some workers' action, and we've got an interview. Uh, we've got uh, Catherine Wilkes from the uh, no, "Say No to the Cashless Welfare Card" on the line. How are you, Catherine? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Well, th- thanks for coming on the show. So, uh, let's uh, in. Uh, oh, I don't know. he I got I said I was going to make it easy for you, but in, in a in a couple of quick minutes, can you, if someone hasn't heard of the card, can you tell us about it?
3: Okay, so the cashless debit card is a uh, privately um run uh transference of (laughs) social security payments to um indoo who the card um processor they take 80 percent of a person's social security payment and they quarantine it and they control what you can do with it you have to ask permission to pay rent um if you need to get access to other funds, you'll need to put in applications and ask permissions to do things. It fails people dr- drastically. It's supposed to stop people from being able to um, access alcohol, drugs and gambling, of which it doesn't stop anybody from drinking or smoking, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, in fact, it's we need to get away from that smoke screen because... The fact that the payments have been transferred to the private company into, they own the 80% of the income, not the recipient. Um, along the way, the people lose their rights. So your consumer rights have been removed. Your protections under the Social Security Act have been removed. And, um, of course, your privacy is invaded. Your autonomy is gone. Um, and it breaches international human rights as well as domestic human rights.
0: And you just mentioned one of the things in and around the card, there's a lot of misinformation in and around the card, and you just mentioned one there. It's meant to... Some people think that it's meant to stop smoking. You can still buy smokes on the card, can't you?
3: Oh, absolutely. Cigarettes, legal purchase on the card. Um, The government's not going to give up their $17 billion a year taxes that people pay... You know, um, this misconception or this preconceived lie that people on Social Security payments don't pay taxes is huge. You know what I mean? People who smoke pay taxes. People who drink pay taxes. People who um, shop pay taxes. Everybody pays taxes.
0: That's right, we do. And we pay we pay a lot of them and uh, we expect services for them, but not, not type of things like this. And uh, the, the thing that re- I, I remember back to when I, I uh, f- was first campaigning and I was, I was chatting to a, a young Indigenous woman on the basics card... And she couldn't sh- shop at Aldi, and I, that that broke my heart. I know that uh, Indu have kind of fixed that up a little bit, but uh, another example uh, that I can uh, think of where you can't use your card is is paying for school excursions. Could you uh, let listeners know a few few more examples of of, of, of where you can't uh, use the card to highlight the uh, uh, the disposition that it imposes on workers?
3: Um. So. For instance, um, anybody who's receiving parent payments or family tax payments or working casually and receiving a part payment in a card region will end up on a card. Now, this causes issues, especially for your whole family. Kids are excluded with school. It depends on the schools. Some schools have FPOS, some don't, right? So school excursions are very difficult. Um, It's hit and miss. School photos. if you're going through university and you want your graduation photos too bad because they're paid for by paypal and paypal is banned sports um depending on what region you're in um for instance in saduna there's only dance and there's only netball type thing they can't pay for their sports because it's done through their local sporting club which is a banned merchant they can't even buy a bottle of water you know what i mean which is quite common So you've got your kids excluded from sports, and then you've got your community social events, which in regional areas are cash. The cash entry, um, all of the entertainment for kids is all cash, basically, do you know what I mean? So um, one of the worst examples of this is we had a a parent whose child was performing at a community event, and um, she was told by the school it was free. When she got there, it wasn't free to get in. She didn't have any cash because her money was on the, on the injury card. A lady let her in with her two of two of her other children that were small, um, and then the kids realised they couldn't do face painting or drawing or, or get a drink or get something to eat like all the other kids because mum's money was on the card. And basically, the mum was like, she was shattered, and she just had to basically wait around for her for her other child to perform and then get the hell out of there. Do you know what I mean? It it really does mess with families' abilities to be able to be part of your community. And one of the um, stipulations regarding the opt-out application is that you have to demonstrate um, where you are doing things in community, but you're excluded from community, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, we've had... Um, Students had to drop out of uni, um, TAFE because they couldn't buy second-hand books, um, can't use a bus, you can't pay for bus fare in a regional town anywhere. It's got a lot of a lot of problems and, and that's without the parents having to suffer the problems of not being able to pay rent. A lot of the times it will be declined.
1: Hey Catherine, Hannah here, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, I'm just wondering what kind of psychological effects um, this card has on people, because we know that withholding um, money is it's a, a form of abuse. So I imagine there would be some... Has there been any studies or... I know the... you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry, Catherine. Um, I was just wondering what kind of psychological effects this, this form of psychological effects. Uh, yeah, this form of financial abuse um, would be having on people.
3: Most of the parents that I've spoken to have ended up at the doctors onto antidepressants, anti panic. Um, one of the worst health impacts I've seen is a 33 year old woman who had a um, what's called broken heart syndrome, um, which is a stress induced heart attack. It caused damage to her heart, which is permanent. Um, it's a very real thing. It's where If you're under a lot of stress, it physically breaks the heart. Um, and she's got no assistance except for she did finally get off the card after about um, 18 months and two attempts.
1: Well, it would be amazing if the government could actually be held to account for this, <laughs> this, Sorry? this level. It would be good if the government could be held to account for this um, ...level of psychological abuse that they're imposing on people?
3: Well, they um, just deny any of it. They just say that we're saying misinformation... Um, ...or they just dismiss cardholders' experiences. And um, they don't take it seriously. And it's not fair. It's very cruel of what it's doing to families... ...because it doesn't just impact the person who's on the card. It impacts their whole family... ...because the other members of the family that are not on the card... ...try and help... And it brings the whole family down
1: yeah it'd be interesting to see the long-term effects would have a, upon children particularly like they'd be feel even more ostracized at school and with their friends
3: um i'm having trouble hearing you but i, I heard part of that we already had, in in the first six months of the hinkler trial we heard where kids were being bullied at school once um it was seen that a parent was on the card uh, we heard of a teenage boy who was your dad's a crackhead when it's not nothing of such, do you know what I mean? Um, or you're a poor kid, oh, your mum's got that card. Um, your mum's got the druggy card, because in Hinkler it's, it's known as the druggy card, do you know what I mean? That's the stigma that's stuck to the card in Hinkler.
0: Yeah, yeah, the stigma can be be very bad, uh, especially on school kids, you know, um, yeah, yeah, but... Uh... One thing that uh, I I wanted to uh, have a chat with you about, Catherine, and and something that I've noticed in the last uh, mainly the last six months or so, is is I, I, I've got a I've got a phrase that sums it up, but pretty pretty easily, is you're not on your own anymore, Catherine. Um. <laughs> You you, 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 you. There's, um, like I know you've been doing. We've been, we've been doing this for years, but I've just noticed that that you, you, have got nearly a, a, a network in around you. you. could, could you talk about the, uh, the, you know, those that are helping you and and the um, network and the solidarity that you've built over the years.
3: Oh well, we've, other groups have, um, sort of like assisted, especially in Brisbane, being able to help with doing events. Um, um we went down to the Invasion Day rally, um, to give out information uh about the card and to and to to show solidarity with First Nations people for the continued oppression that they go through. So Anti Poverty Network Brisbane have worked really well with us. Um, there's other groups that are around the place that are I've I've only just recently really connected with um we're just going through some things there. Uh, but mainly anti-poverty network, um, some of the some of the unions. But for me, it's felt very isolating for quite a while. So at the moment, I'm still finding my feet. I mean, other agencies have made com- you know um, comments that they're behind us and things like that. We've had the Queensland Teachers Union behind us all the way, um, and they came out public against the card. But across the country, I think more people waking up is, is drawing more attention to our group. You know what I mean?
0: And, and you, your group is growing itself, isn't it?
3: Oh, of course. Um, I couldn't tell you. We've, for, just when, when, when we look at our Facebook groups and our pages, we've probably got around about 25,000, 30,000 people that are following us there.
0: Yeah, and, I don't uh, know how
3: many other people. I'm I'm on TikTok now, so I've just started that up.
0: <laughs> Go, and you I've young got, thing. TikTok.
3: Yeah, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody laughed at me when I said about it the other day in a Zoom meeting, hey, I'm on TikTok. And they went, you're too old for that. I went, why? I'm putting the information up and other people are um, picking it up and other people are commenting on it. And, yeah, it's it's pretty good, actually.
0: That's really good. How the movement movement is growing, you know, and there's there's there, there's other camp the life campaign a, as well, and ACOs yeah. do, they go oh. do their thing, and uh, but uh, you know there's there's other orgs getting in behind uh, uh, this, and also uh, there's been a a bit of a recent change that, uh, that actually the um, the ALP are, uh, have said they're going to can the card. Could you give us an update on that?
3: Well, um, prior to the previous vote that went through, the ALP had held a, another caucus meeting and they had flat out come out and said no to the cashless debit card. All right? Um, because of its compulsory nature, the privatisation of our social security and the indignity and the re- removal of people's rights is not right. OK? ALP still support... Um, voluntary income management, like the Basics Card, but like the Cape York Program, okay? Which has got supports and services and is voluntary, informed consent, and you can get off it. So, they still support that form of income management, but they're no longer supporting the forced income management or the compulsory nature of even the Basics Card in the Northern Territory. Um, so it was refreshing for all that to come out in watching the Senate debates and um, the vote on the night, unfortunately. Senator um, Alliance stabbed everybody in the back when it came to the critical vote because even Jackie Lambie voted against the card continuing and uh, we had the numbers to stop it and then... Senator Sterling grief decided to not show up the chamber in fact he left the building which gave the government the one vote they needed to continue on and that's where they made the amendments to extend it for 2 years because they couldn't get it through permanently that's twice we've stopped it going permanent um
0: yeah that was yeah. quite shameful um by uh, Rex Patrick not even showing up and uh uh, yeah, sneaking out the back door and, and, and an important vote for workers, you know, so...
3: Well, they, they, they promised people for two years that if there was no evaluation on the table, right, they wouldn't vote for it. And the evaluation, which is the Adelaide University evaluation, is not being released by the government. Yet in the previous legislation that... that Another another South Australian independent let go through, Tim Storer, part of his amendment was that the independent evaluation had to be tabled and Centre Alliance said we won't vote for this without that evaluation. The government refused to release the evaluation and yet Centre Alliance went ahead and voted to extend it.
0: And uh, just just quickly, just so so that we uh, we can let our listeners know where where the uh, where they all stand. Well, of course, the Liberal Party support this, and yeah, yep. We've we've mentioned Labor Party, we've mentioned Centre Alliance. Now, uh, c- one nation, c- one nation, do, do they support it as well, don't they?
3: Absolutely, they support it wholeheartedly. And Pauline Hanson had the gall to stand up in the Senate and say that. Anybody on social security, I, I refuse to use the word welfare, it's degrading, okay, has, has lost their rights anyway the minute they end up on social security. Um, I disagree with that. There's rights and protections put in place for social security recipients, um, yet this government has gone around those laws and exempted cardholders from those protections in order to be able to hand over the income to Indy. That's
1: um, shame
3: and if, every australian is a, has the right to those protections and legal protections under law
0: and it's a, it's a bit hypocritical of one nation when when you think that they they campaign against a cashless society that's one <laughs> of their that's one of their tin <laughs> foil things that oh you take it if you take away people's cash you take away their rights um, yeah
3: but they, they make it very clear that anybody on a benefit they see is it it's not their money, it's taxpayers' money, and they don't understand the law, or they choose to ignore it. But it's, it's very clear under the Social Security Act that your payment, once it's paid into your bank account, it is your legal income. It is your fiscal worth, and that is the law. But um, with cardholders, unfortunately, they've seen 80% of that legal income diverted to Indu, who now own that income instead of the recipient.
0: Yeah and get $10,000 a year in administrative fees as well.
3: Well it's actually like a $12,000 set up fee per card based on at the moment you know that fee will probably go down the more they get on it and then it's about a $1,500 administrative fee every year that the person's on the card as well. That's what I've seen recently, and that's plus thirty bucks all the a week. on
0: top. That's thirty Sorry? bucks a week. That's thirty dollars a week. That that could could even fifteen hundred dollars at the low end per year, right? That's thirty dollars a week. Is it? Is my math out? My maths out. But anyhow, oh. but what I am getting at is that that money should be going to the to the uh, the recipient, not not to big business.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we could fund so much more. We have a housing crisis, and Indu is a barrier to getting housing. A lot of owners now have tweaked onto the fact that the late payments of rent causes them late payments of mortgages. They don't like getting defaults, okay? So a lot of owners now are saying, no Indu card. So that's a barrier to getting housing. We have a homelessness crisis. We have, um, in March... We are really going to see the impact of the COVID job losses the job keeper shutdown and people in real poverty and at the same time the new bill that was passed in december to um go into the northern territory the cashless debit card and put the old age pensioners in cape york on the cashless debit card um that assence comes through in march as well and that then lift the cap on how many people can be on the cashless debit card in any region, which means then we'll see how long it takes before the government lifts the pause on the people who lost their jobs during COVID being issued cards.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. Now, um, just to finish off on... uh, No, I've got another question, but uh, on the political parties, uh, I've, I've left one out because... I've left it, probably left a good one to last. Now, the Greens, they, they don't support the card in any way, do they?
3: Absolutely not. The Greens have fought this all the way through. Um, we've watched Rachel Seawood fight for 13 years to try and stop the Basics Card. Um, and they are totally 100% against the Cashless Debit Card. It's taken Labor a while to come round, but they're the same. You know what I mean? So Labor and the Greens are totally against it. Um, but so we've got a, a poster on our pages um, that we we share around the place, and it says, "If you support the cashless debit card, we won't vote for you."
0: <laughs> That's right. And uh, look, line. it's it's a very big issue for for myself in the way that I vote. I, I, I have to admit, and uh, I, I was. I was nearly ready to support Bill Shorten if he had have supported the 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 race to new start back in the time and get rid of the card, but uh, I still think today that that's the reason he lost. You know, he he should have changed I don't him know back when.
3: Why they didn't? Because they could have done better in this region federally if they had um, made more of a fuss about the card. Bill Shorten came to Bundaberg twice. I met him. And um, the second time round, he said that, that at that time, the Hinkler trial was rolling out. And like he said, they'd have to have a look at all the... They've got to look at all the contracts they've been signed into. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he would undo what he could and help people to get off. But they didn't know what sort of spaghetti mashup of contracts there is. And that is a fair thing to say, too, because if we have a change of government, the new government is going to have to dig their way through all of these contracts. A lot of this stuff has not been publicly released, so we don't know who's signed into what and then they've got to undo it all. But they will probably be a lot better at letting people off the card and a lot quicker than what is currently happening now with people trying to get off the card. It's just a scam. You know what I
0: mean? Yep, we but, do. Yeah, we sure they, do. They, you
3: know, they, they say they don't support it and they, um, they've fought in the Senate they all fought really well against it. We had the numbers to beat it. We just got stabbed in the back by Centre Alliance. Again, the South Australian okay. independent, yeah. uh, you know,
0: sort all of right. small well, party, you know what I mean? Well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that we haven't talked about um, that you want to highlight before you go?
3: I think people need to understand, get away from the drugs, gambling and alcohol rubbish because that's just a smokescreen. This is about stripping the rights of Australian citizens away from them so that they can't defend themselves, they can't fight back. It creates an apartheid state financially and racially as well. Um, And it doesn't solve any of the issues that it's supposed to solve. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that the majority of the people And this is not being sexist, this is just a fact. The majority of the people that are caught up in the car are single parents, women and carers. Um, And a lot of these people have suffered uh, domestic violence in the past, and this is just another form of abuse, uh, but it's from the government, so it makes it really hard.
2: Hey Catherine, it's Jackson here. I just wanted to ask about, uh, like I've heard you're doing You've got like sort of mutual aid networks uh, where you're with your organising to like you've got a bunch of people who are on the card working together to help each other to make sure everyone gets what they need. Under if you wanted to talk about that, hang on, I
3: didn't quite hear all of that. <laughs>
2: um, you
3: broke up a bit.
2: Sorry, I, I've heard when people
3: on the card help each other. Yes, they do. Yeah, about that, it's like um, poor people help each other, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's they just do. Um, and, like, if somebody comes onto one of the pages and asks for some help, other card holders will, will jump in and help them, for sure, if they can.
0: That, that's awesome, yeah, and, and yeah, it's workers sticking together, and, uh, you know, mutual aid is, 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 the, is the term for it, and, uh, yeah, that, that's what I was touching on as well. You've got a bit of a network that's, uh, that's starting to, to form up there in Hinkler.
3: Well, um what workers need to understand is with the casualization of jobs a lot of workers are on the card right so and a lot more will be on the card in the future if we can't get a handle on it it's it's not about us versus them it's about we should all stand up together to fight for a better social security system that pays an adequate amount of money for people to be able to live without being controlled by a private third uh, party who's making money off of our backs. So we've got into the cash debit card, we've got parents next, we've got the job active system, all making billions of dollars off of people's backs. And and workers need to understand that they're impacted too.
0: That's right. This is it keeps a a w- their def-
3: wages down.
0: Definitely a workers' issue. This one, definitely, and we'll 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 uh, we'll get you on uh, again soon to keep it. Thanks for coming on and updating us. We'll, uh, just a we'll second. L- uh, if
2: we've got like a listener who's on the card who wants to help or be helped, uh, where can they go?
3: Hang on. If people need help,
2: yeah, with,
3: uh, they're on the card. Basics Rights Queensland is a good start. Um, they're helping people that are on the card to be able to do their opt-outs. And, and just but, but if you have problems with missing money and stuff like that contact the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, your Ombudsman go and see community legal services um, and stuff like that
0: Right on yeah. and, and of course your your um, Facebook page uh, where they, that, that's uh, can you give it a plug for us?
3: Uh, no Cash Debit Card Australia you'll find that at, uh, at No To Welfare Card which is you can, we're on Twitter as well, but I've been a bit quiet there. Um, and I'm on TikTok as well. It's Cath uh, says, no to the CDC. So, um, yeah, so just look up No Castus Debit Card Australia, and you'll find you'll find all of our groups and our national group.
0: Right. Um. Thank you so much for coming on, Catherine, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
3: No worries. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that was a pretty good interview with Catherine. She's, uh, she's uh, a solid with,
1: comrade.
0: Sorry about the technical difficulties, but uh, Catherine worked her way through it. And, uh, yes, yeah, a great comrade. And uh, so uh, now we're going to we, – we've got a uh, an interview coming up, but I thought I thought what we'd do is we'd sneak in Agitate, Educate, Organise because uh, Fergal uh, –
1: Fer- yeah,
0: I, I just called you Fergal Jackson. How embarrassing for <laughs> Fergal. No, (laughs) 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 how embarrassing for you! All right, uh, Jackson and I
2: got to throw shade on someone, don't you? Yeah.
0: All right, so Jackson and I after the show last week, we went up to a bit of a rally, and uh, the 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 rally was called a fair go for casuals, and it was up at King George Square, um, just a. Uh, it was it was good to be out there with workers standing up and fighting back. Uh, any comments, Jackson? Was
2: uh, I really enjoyed the part where uh, there was this woman who had worked as a casual for like thirteen years. I think it was uh, with the um, I don't know. She was with the RTVE. I don't know where exactly she worked, but there was this one thing she said, uh, which was that. Um, Casuals do a bunch of um, illegal work, basically. Like, there's a bunch of stuff they're doing which is technically illegal, but they do it anyway. It's the sort of thing. Um, And she proposed that if everyone started following the law, then they might not be getting as much work done, not getting as much profits. (laughs) Could hit the. Bosses in the pockets. If they suddenly started stop, st- suddenly stop doing the work that they're not even supposed to be doing. Yeah, well, that's
1: what it all comes down to. At the end of the day, really, isn't no it profits?
2: Mm, and that's uh, that's a tactic that which I, which I've heard you talk about previously, Bill. The follow the rules one.
0: Yeah, work to rule. You know, it. Uh, yeah, we should be using it a lot more. And uh, you know, we, we we go the extra mile for a, for for a decent boss, and when when we're working and that. But how many people? Go the extra mile for a crappy boss. It's just <laughs> extraordinary, you know. Like,
1: not many, I don't uh,
0: think. <laughs> in retail, it's it's terrible, and uh, some of the uh, in, um, incentives and motivations that, that they use on people. And the one that uh, w- with the bus driver. So uh, that that woman was a council bus worker. She works for Brisbane City Council. And it's to do with uh, classifications. She's supposed to be getting paid a higher classification for what she does, and and um, yeah, not supposed to do it and things like that. And and that that happens in in all industries, you know. So uh, um, yeah, we should be working to rule. You should be getting paid for what you do, you know. And uh, it's uh, one of those things where the the really the only one one way to fix it, collective action, mm. because if if you don't do it they'll get someone else to do it and if everyone's not in it collectively they'll they'll find a bootlicker to, to to help them out and uh all of a sudden just for exercising your rights you're earning less money so it's a tough world it's a it's a, it's a fine balance uh, in between activism and, and 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 sticking your head on a chop, chopping chopping uh, chopping block unfortunately it's the world we live in and uh you know, us unionists have, have to, and uh, we we have to learn tactics in and around that. You know, and and sometimes a worker comes and says, especially a casual worker, we've got to be open and honest with them and say, hey, you know, like you exercise your rights, they might the shifts might start drying up. You know, I, I mm. hate saying it, I hate it, I, I really it, it it sucks, um, but. At the end of the day, I'm we're there to support workers and and, and give them the lowdown, and so they're not not making decisions blindly. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good to be out there. There was a there was a bit of a bit of a crowd, mainly mainly RTB union uh, union members, but there was also T W U were out there, and uh, there was another union I spotted. I wanted to. I think it was CPSU had a flag there too. So, and I was going, damn, I should have. I should have a RAFU flag with me. <laughs> that must right? have hurt, Bill. But the, the the thing that I want to get is uh, as uh, uh, for us as well is a four Triple Z flag. Oh, that I'll, have, that'd be I'll cool. have to. I've been working on that with our current station manager, but there's costings and and all and all things like that. And and, and also you've got uh, other uh, things. You you know we. You got a four triple Z flag flying around. It's uh, some people might oh, what are you doing? You know. So, but uh, anyhow, we we will we'll keep that. I think for May Day, that's a. I think there should be a four triple Z flag flying around on May Day. What do you reckon, comrades? Definitely,
1: that's a great idea. Mm. Yeah, Let's re- get the flag. Where's our flag? Yeah, <laughs> get a flag. <laughs> get a four triple Z flag. <laughs> All right. So this. Uh, story I thought is pretty important to read out today. Um, some activists have blockaded a weapons manufacturer. Uh, this story is by Kerry Smith with uh, Green Left Weekly. So, activists from Quaker and Catholic community groups took action outside a weapons manufacturer NIOWAS, Niowas? gates in Pinkin Bar, Queensland on February 10th. NIOA has partnered with Rune Metal Waif Munition to become a leading supplier of weapons and munition to the Australian Defence Force. The joint venture is set to produce and export ammunition for the USF-35 Joint Strike Fighter program. We have asked NIOA to rule out exporting munitions to Indonesia, spokesperson Margaret Pestorius said. The groups are highlighting the links between weapons manufacturers and human rights violations in West Papua, southern Philippines and, possibly, Myanmar, Burma. The weapons business is setting up to export munitions to countries that commit human rights abu- abuses, Pistorius said. Pistorius said that Rune Metal Nayawa will be pressuring the Australian government for export licences that allow the sale of munitions to Indonesia. Both Ryan Metal and Niowa are sponsors of the Land Forces exhibition in June at the Brisbane Convention Centre. This expo is about pushing more weapons into the Indo Pacific. She said Ryan Metal is already selling munitions and armoured vehicles to Indonesia.
0: Right, I, I think we've got Tom on the line. You're there, aren't you, Tom? I'm still here, mate. Yep. We got you. Sorry about that. That's uh, <laughs> the things kind of happen. So you're introducing yourself. You're Tom Brown, of the RTBU Assistant Secretary. That's me.
4: Looking after the bus drivers. Yep
0: that's the way and now now jackson and i we were at a rally on uh, last tuesday we love a little bit of solidarity uh could you uh, let the listeners know what uh what that's all about what what a brisbane city council doing to upset casual bus drivers
4: yeah awesome yeah thanks for coming to that too and uh, a little bit of the backstory tour there well well the lord mayor announced there uh, that a, a covert bonus will be paid to uh all of his uh, permanent staff, as a, as a, of course, as a reward for their unstinting uh, commitment to their uh, council through the uh, pandemic, through the worst of the pandemic. However, uh, casual or, uh, as far as my interest goes, the casual bus drivers, over 550 of them, were uh, were omitted from this bonus, so they were left out. And uh, the irony is, of course, that uh, during the height pandemic, these, these 550 casual bus drivers are the ones that picked up all the extra services, that picked up and did the work for all the people that couldn't come to work because they were at risk. So, so these guys went above and beyond, way above and beyond their normal, uh, their normal duties and uh, uh, you know, they got left out simply because they were casual. So we, uh, we decided we got a petition together, and over 400 uh, casual uh, operators signed that petition uh, asking for the casuals to be included uh, in, in the COVID bonus. Uh, it went to council, it was rejected by council. Hence we were there having a protest meeting outside City Hall because we were not happy with the rejection, not happy with the way that the uh, petition was treated. It didn't go to the the normal committee that would would look at a petition, the admin committee. It actually was looked at by members of civic cabinet, 100% made up of LNP uh, councillors and then rejected. The reason it was rejected, the reason given to us, as a matter of fact, was that uh, every year, uh, council visits uh, permanent workers a, a bonus day. Uh, every year, the casual workers are out of that. And hence, uh, that that was the reasoning for leaving the casual workers out of uh, the COVID bonus days. So uh, the Lord Mayor gave out over $4 million, and I'm working that $4 million out on my bus driver's wage. So we're at the bottom of the tree to, to his staff you know hundreds of these staff didn't even attend work for several months during the lockdown uh, because they were in the at risk category thousands more of these workers were kept safe by working from home for many many months last year uh, all the while refusing to cover our 550 essential frontline bus drivers who are 100% council employees and who did go over above and beyond during during the pandemic simply because these guys are casual workers so it was an absolute insult to their to casual staff yeah
0: and and uh, j- just quickly casuals are, are getting it on from all levels and um, just a quick comment on on the federal government omnibus bill um well well, well, we've
4: had enough. We will oppose the omnibus bill because it will make it it will make it even easier for council to uh, to exploit these uh, casual bus drivers even worse than they are exploiting them. You know, just because th- these guys were essential workers and were, was available during the pandemic uh, this time around doesn't mean that you know these guys should dare uh, simply be exploited like like they were.
0: Okay, so we're on
4: board. We're on board uh, against the omnibus bill and, and anything that attacks workers' rights. Uh, the RTBU will oppose.
0: Right on, good, good, good. Strong union for their workers, the RTBU.
4: Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that emerged from the meeting, uh, if I've got time, that that would interest your uh, their readers. Of course, I talked about the. Uh, the petition not going to the proper uh, committee, so we were going to uh, we're going to oppose that but it emerged at the meeting that uh, last year last September, uh, during the height of the uh, pandemic uh, obviously council was sitting and uh, uh, am I still on there? Yep, yep. yep. Hello?
2: Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you, you're, you're still there.
4: Yeah, uh, somebody's trying to call me they shouldn't be, but uh, that uh, the chairman of uh, the transport uh, committee, the the President Ryan Murphy, during a debate about casual conversions, because they were seeking uh, conversion from casual to uh, permanent, uh, obviously on a continual basis for our members. Uh, Ryan Murphy made uh, the comment that uh, people were just seeking uh, permanent jobs in council because they were cosy jobs, you know. This basically is an insult to the all oh, councils, uh, 8,000 permanent workers, and uh, certainly an insult but there are over 800 uh, non-permanent workers who are uh, always in a position to try and seek permanent work. The council workers, and I've worked for council for nearly 30 years, council work is not cosy work. It's important work, you know. And all, all council workers do an important job, and uh, and I don't blame uh, casual workers for seeking a uh, job security. They're not seeking cosy jobs; they are seeking job security. So we will be seeking. Uh, we were also told that he was asked to apologise uh, by by the council opposition, and he didn't take that opportunity. So we we will pursue this not just on behalf of our members, but on behalf of uh, the nearly nine thousand. Dedicated council workers who come to work every day and, and deliver services for the people of Brisbane. So, so we'll yeah, Good. So we, we deserve an apology.
0: Yeah, that sure do. You know, there's nothing crazy about a bus driving role. I, I, yeah, all all solidarity to to the bus drivers out there. All right. No, so no,
4: My my thirty years as a driver, I was up at four thirty every morning. I did a split shift, so that means I serviced at both peaks. Sometimes I wasn't getting home till after seven o'clock at night, you know. So that was a that was a, always a twelve-hour spread in the day, and then up again at four thirty the next morning. Before I was a bus driver, I worked as a reefer in the carriage, yeah. and what these guys do, you know, they they start and work at five p.m. When most people are going home, these guys are still working, okay, and, and they're working right through to two a.m. morning yeah, when they knock off, and they're working flat out for the whole the whole evening to do that. Every single Brisbane City Council bus is cleaned and rebuilt, you know, for the next day. Uh, that's anything but cosy, I can tell you.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound cosy at all to me. Right, so uh, uh, first off, we'll go, if uh, bus drivers, they're out there listening on their round and they want to know more, they're not a member yet, how, how can they, they should become a member, how, how do they go about that?
4: Oh. oh, absolutely. A bus driver's place is in his union, there is no doubt, per union, there is no doubt about that. Well, they, they can, uh, my name and my contact details are up at most depots. Uh, you know 80% of bus drivers are in the union so they only got to ask the guy next to them uh, hey, how do I do that? Uh, we will get to them what we call a green form uh, but certainly they can uh, they can join our union by ringing uh, ringing the phone number that is up everywhere uh, around which I will just find <laughs> where I got you. so if, if they're listening there they don't have our office number a uh, top talk until I've got it uh, here 80% union diary. 80% every, is every sensational union diary with this number in it so they've only got to talk to the guy next to them and they'll give you the number 3839 49AA, You know, and they can talk to the lovely Sheridan who will uh, who will do it via voice recognition and, and join them up and of course our casual members do have a reduced rate because we don't have the guarantee of work. so uh, we can uh, we can accommodate the casuals.
0: That's good that your union does that for casuals. That's really yeah. really really good. Now uh, and lastly, for, for all those who, who want to uh, know more or the, the, the chance to uh, show solidarity like we did last week, how can, can workers for other industries find out more and keep up to date? Oh, no. <laughs> I think t- we've lost Tom there. Well, I can do that. You can go and check out their Facebook page at uh, RTBUQLD. Chuck that in your Facebook search, and uh, you can find out, find out more. Keep up to date with the uh, buses' struggle. Um, yeah, we've lost Tom there, but thank you so. Tom's given us a good rundown on, on that action. Thank you so much for coming on, Tom. Uh, we re- really appreciate that, and uh, yeah. That- that was pretty good. Yeah, learnt a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was so um, yeah, good stuff for the, for the, for the bus workers. And uh, yeah, we'll go to a track and we'll come back with more workers' action here on Workers' Power for Triple Z.
1: Well, um, yes, International Workers' Action. Have you got a story for us?
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. So? Well, to follow on from the story you read just before about the um, weapons manufacturers, the one thing they mentioned was that the weapons were going towards um, going to the conflicts in West Papua. Yes. To uh, continue oppressing the West Papuan people, um, and we've got a story from the National Liberation Army over there. Um, so gunfire between members of the Free Papua organization and the Indonesian military um, took place again in in Hitadapa in uh, Papua on Wednesday. Oh no, that's the 3rd of February, so a little while ago. Uh, So on February at 4am, a member of the National Liberation Army was shot dead by the military at Intanjaya, said Ibun Kugea, operations commander for the for a company in the army. Um, uh, the national the West Pappen National Liberation Army claimed shooting MAF aircraft at Intanjaya. Ibun said the members were shot dead by the military and police in Dagomba at the Uh, at the end of the Hitadapa airfield next to the Trans Road. Peria similar died in gunfire when he was caught on the road at the end. Um, Until now, his body is still being held by military officials. Revolt against three centuries of colonial, colonial rule by the Netherlands was meddled in by the United States in the 1960s in stating Indonesian rule over West Papua. Since then, West Papua has engaged in guerrilla struggle for liberation and against oppression.
1: Yes, and this is why that last story was so very important. And this one, um, basically, our Australian government wants to profit from genocide which is not very good um i'm pretty sure like in the states their number one uh, source of like national revenue is um like arms and munitions and whatnot isn't it
2: that wouldn't be surprising at all i'm pretty
1: sure it is Up, <laughs> uh, yeah but anyway they, are, um, they do
2: have like the they like i'm pretty sure their military budget is like 25 percent of the entire world, Yeah, it's just this budget.
1: phenomenal amount of money they make from murdering people in other countries, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty crappy, so let's not do yeah, that, Australia. Just,
2: and here we have another example of the a conflict going on in West Papua. It's, it's not um, anything particularly special about this one it's just a little conflict and i thought it'd be good to include it as a reminder that the conflict is going on just north of us here in australia there's um a war and yeah people are fighting and dying and stuff and not
1: enough people are talking about it
2: um and also for international workers action we've got an update from the uh, rallies going on in India against Modi's farm bill. And we've got this story from Green Left and it's by Gauri Gandbir. So, in a world where the rising tide of neoliberal policies is causing chaos for everyday people, Indian farmers who have been protesting for the past two months have made a stand against Prime Minister Narendra Modi's agenda to privatise and corporatize the agricultural sector. The All India Kisan Sangh. Coordination Committee, a pan-Indian umbrella organisation comprising 250 farmers organisations, held a nationwide Tractor Rally on January 26th against the BJP government's draconian farm bills. This day was also Republic Day, the anniversary of India's adoption of its constitution, which the current BJP government chose to overlook as it rammed the bills through parliament in September. The Farmers' Parade is the most fitting way to mark Republic Day 2021, said the Communist Party of India General Secretary Dipankar Bhattacharya ahead of the protest. Farmers and farm workers constitute the large part of We the People of India, who constitute the Indian Republic. Bhattacharya described the farmers struggle to protect farming communities and food securities from the company Raj as the best tribute to the values of India's freedom struggle. The CPI ML along with the Communist Party of India uh, Communist. Uh, just a bunch of names of different parties here. And the All India Forward bloc introduced, in, issued a joint statement in solidarity with the protest hailing the unity and determination displayed by the farmers. In Delhi, a convoy of 10,000 tractors and tens of thousands of farmers were entered the capital city in protest. Farmers were given a predetermined route and blocked from entering major parts of the city due to a military parade to mark Republic Day. Police met protesters with roadblocks and tear gas, as they did during the Delhi Charlo, which is the Let's Go to Delhi protest demonstrations in November. The largest workers' strike in history involving 250 million workers, farmers and students. Being largely ignored by an indifferent government and court system, and in an attempt to have their voice heard, some farmers diverged from the planned route to enter Delhi's historic Red Fort. Protesters were met with police violence, which left one farmer dead. Internet services were suspended in parts of Delhi, and some metro stations closed as police tried to gain control. The pro-BJP media used the opportunity to assert that the movement had become violent and taken over by separatists, accusing protesters of raising a Khalistani, which is a Sikh secessionist flag at the fort. Media fact-checkers later confirmed this to be false. Some union leaders condemned the violence but also noted that the protests had been largely peaceful. Bhattacharya congratulated the farmers on their tractor rally and appealed to them to continue their struggle without getting provoked. Responding to the day's events, he told the National Herald of India, The sporadic incidents that disturb this dominant picture are primarily due to the adamant attitude of the Modi regime and the repression unleashed by its police against the farmers. The Modi regime has forced farmers to camp at these borders for two months in the cold weather, resulting in the deaths of more than 70 farmers at the protest sites. Even in the face of this, the movement has displayed remarkable patience and restraint, occasional expressions of restlessness notwithstanding. We must refuse all we must refuse to allow the issue to be diverted away from the demand to repeal the three farm laws. We appeal to the farmers to resume their agitation without getting provoked and diverted, and pledge our unflinching support and cooperation for their just movement. In Mumbai, more than fifteen thousand farmers protested in solidarity with their North Indian counterparts as they made the two day and hundred and eighty kilometer journey from Nashik.
1: Some of these numbers in this story are just mind-blowing. The scale of this protest that's going on, the distances they're traveling, the amount of—was it 250 million people in November?
0: Like, wow. wow! Just the fact that there's three different communist party groups.
1: Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> You're getting a
0: bit. bit there's the Marxist Leninists. All the
1: communists. The Marxists
0: <laughs> and the what are the revolutionary socialists?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there's more than that around. I've good heard, on them. I've heard good things about Naxalites, who so are like, um, a little bit controversial, in India at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, it, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll try and keep our comrades up to date uh, uh, with that, and uh, we'll, we're, it's getting close to where we might... Uh, we might have to invite Nav Depp in, uh, and again, and give, he gave us such a great sum up. You know, like you we should know,
1: definitely
0: do that. And yeah, and uh, I, I like the one where they, the, that they, um, they stopped the workers, so that the workers just dug trenches and yeah. So having someone uh, who's in contact with the workers and and close to 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 the struggle always. Uh, Uh, Tells a good story. So um, thanks for that. Anyhow, thanks for that story and keeping everyone up to date, Jackson. Right on. I I just wanted to mention uh, one of the stories that one of you comrades had found from the... It was in the Green Left Weekly... Um, we're not going to read it out. We're just going to talk about it. Activist blockade weapons manufacturer. Oh, we already read that one. Eh? You did? Yeah,
1: yeah. Go with the right
0: times, the, the times. Pay oh, see, I was all, i was too busy yeah. doing technical. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, I want to talk about that, right? Because, quite frankly, uh, out at Ipswich, all—all—all all, all the uh, politicians have been, rabbiting on about oh these jobs and jobs and jobs, creating weapons of death.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Right, so, um, yeah, and uh, it, which is, uh, you know, there's activists out there in this Rhine medal and it's just sick to the back teeth of all the local politicians who, and, and, are and uh, 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 you know, just creating these uh, weapons, uh, you know, of, of death, yes. And, uh, it, of course, it, it gives me the opportunity to use my favourite quote, a bayonet is a worker, is a weapon with a worker at both ends, But also, the reason I wanted to mention it is in the lead-up to our show next week where we've got Ross coming in on the 23rd. Yeah, yeah, I'll follow up with Ross during the week. But that's uh, something that... uh, is kind of, uh, we'll, that we will talk about with uh, with Ross and uh, the bur- burgeoning um, uh, you know industries up here? You know, like
1: in- I think I think it's so important. Sorry to cut in there on your bill, what? but like with these politicians <coughs> rabbiting on, I like, oh, jobs, 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 jobs. We're making jobs. Like there's so much work to be done in our society. As just where like the government and whatnot want to funnel their investments like we need more public housing we need more infrastructure we need you know to upgrade public transport and whatnot so it's really a smokescreen to to go on about oh we can create all these like the mining industry you know that they use that spiel as well Are we going to create all these jobs
2: yeah i think especially like with creating a um carbon negative world there's a lot of work building the infrastructure like renewable energy infrastructure and all that um and even like maybe upgrading housing and stuff i I don't think we need more housing we've got plenty we just need to take it from all the people who aren't using it. all
1: the people who own like five houses
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there's a lot of like upgrading of housing to be done as well like to make it um move away from Gas, maybe, and towards electric things, and also putting in proper stuff to make it like much more energy conservation. Yeah, but it comes
1: comes down to how the government can make money out of it, though. Like with arms and with mining, they can, you know, they're they're, their vested interests.
0: Yeah, well, and it's instant gratification for these politicians. They they go to a meeting on a day, they sign a couple of documents, and they've created a couple of hundred jobs in their eyes, you know, like. uh, Mind you, they're, they're creating, creating weapons that kill thousands of workers all around the world, you know. Um, Neighbours. And uh, so uh, as part of that uh, story there, there was a link to the, um, uh, the land forces, bloody, oh, God, this looks terrible. The Australian Indo-Asia Pacific International Land Defence Exposition. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we've got to organise a rally against that.
1: Yes, please. We'll be there. Nice. Right.
0: First to third of June. We'll, we'll talk with uh, Ross next week and we'll, we'll talk with other organisations, but surely there's going to be um, something. That at the Brisbane Convention Centre, that's a uh, that's a bit in socialist like, uh, alternatives. They like organising things around there, so hopefully they, you know, hopefully everyone is out there, really, all... All uh, workers' groups, all, all groups who, who struggle for our class um, should be out at this. Righto. Huh? Oh, well, there, there you go. I'm a bit slow, a bit on the uptake, but I think I've got my we point got across. We've got there. Right uh, Well, all we've got left now is our um, Scallywag of the Week.
1: Do we want to mention, do we have any events we want to talk about before well, we go to Scallywag? Uh,
0: well, just, just to uh, uh, reiterate the um, Saturday, Deben Creek from about, I think the speeches start at 330 uh, The video, the the movie will probably start when it gets dark. So, um, uh, head out there, say hello, show some solidarity. One forty four Grampian Drive, Deeming Heights. Um, Get out there, say four triple Z to send us out there. You know. uh, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Or you can get look if you, if you're a bit apprehensive of going out there on your own, get in touch with us on Workers' Powerful Triple Z on our Facebook page. I'll meet you out the front. No worries about that. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, well, even get in contact. Oh, I might. I might be good for a lift from Springfield Station, but uh, <laughs> you know that's filling fast, comrades. So, but uh, you know, like, uh, there's plenty of grips going out there. Um, uh, message yours and, and and say, hey, let's uh, let's do a carload out there and. Uh, yeah, get a part, be a part of it, and uh, work out how you can show solidarity with First Nations workers out of Deeping Creek.
2: Awesome. Uh, you also mentioned at the start of the show that uh, tomorrow, um, at like ten AM, I think it was, there is um, people and a three-hour train ride from Brisbane. There are people protecting Yeah,
0: that's something. up north near Gympie. Uh, let me see. Yeah, yeah. So land defenders needed at Juky Kandu. So uh, the people to get in contact with that Is uh, the Facebook page That was shared from my friend Is Kabi Dreaming K-A-B-I Dreaming So put that in your uh, uh, Facebook search and, and it'll come up uh, There, the, the Gimpy Pyramid They're trying to protect yeah, Good good reminder Thank you Jackson Alright well let's do the Scallywag of the week uh, We've got a good one I spotted it early on in the week. Uh, The electrical trade unions has seized on the circumstances surrounding the brutal sacking of 230 workers on a Queensland solar farm by text message at 6am Monday morning.
1: Shame.
0: The ETU says it's an example of the ugly and brutal side of the Coalition's industrial relations agenda. The 230 full-time casuals... Full-time casual workers, sorry, I just wanted to emphasize the yes, word casual. You know? <laughs> full-time
1: casuals. <laughs>
0: full-time casual workers, many of whom were working sixty oh. plus hours a week on the gangari project near Wendowan, were given no notice, according to the union. We have an appalling situation where hard-working Queenslanders, electricians and mechanical fitters have been sacked due to a contractual disagreement between two companies, Davis Contracting and Sterling and Wilson. The workers were given no, other, no notice other than a text message at 6am and their families face an uncertain future. It's brutal and disgusting, ETU State Secretary Peter Ong says. He adds that this example is the latest in a long line of mistreatment of casual and labour hire workers, demonstrating how broken the industrial relations system has become. The ETU will campaign for more rights for casual workers, not less, as proposed by the LNP's so-called Omnibus Bill. Big business like Sterling and Wilson have exploited the loopholes in the fair work legislation where they can let workers go at a whim. They don't care how the workers are treated, it's all about getting the biggest bang for their buck, Peter Ong says. And that is exactly what the LNP wanted. They designed the legislation to ensure maximum flexibility at the expense of job seeker job security, Sorry and this has resulted in these kinds of business models of exploitation. The renewables industry should be providing secure jobs to Australian workers employed by local contractors who pay their bills. We will continue to fight for better protections for casual workers and labour hire as well as certainty and accountability in this important sector. Now I did a bit of research. I'd never heard of Sterling and Wilson. I was trying to look in and around, and and uh, kept getting uh, referrals back to Shell Australia. They're the, they're they're the ones that are that are overseeing this, or they're the project coordinator, or the the end the, the 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 end producer of the energy. Um, and they're building this project, and and so I went I went straight to the top, chair of the board, Tony Noonan. Yeah, grub what a grub and here is our scallywag of the week they hide behind these contracts these subcontracts and and, and, and whatever else oh
1: but we we found you
0: Tony we found you <laughs> you can't hide from worker's power and uh yeah you're just just by trying to avoid through PR um, exercises and shelf companies and geez, I've got a gone a bit uh, wayward there <laughs> a little bit, but anyhow, <laughs> Tony Noonan is a deserved uh, our deserved winner of the Scallywag of the Week.
1: Uh, well, what well, grubby behaviour! I think this is going to be a real um, theme for us this year: as um, casual work and. Hmm. How casual workers are continuing to be screwed over, yeah,
2: especially with the omnibus, omnibus Bill, we'll be seeing a lot more of that.
1: Especially, well, we'll, we'll keep we, you updated. We've
2: gone
0: over time. Oh. We've gone way over time. So, uh, bye. <laughs> uh,
2: we're going to play <laughs> half a song,
0: and then you, it'll be Brisbane lines. So, yeah, come back next week. Um, we'll we'll see you next Tuesday here on Workers' Power for Triple Z.